Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This podcast is produced on Anchor, where you can record, edit, and publish all from your smartphone. You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter's box. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. This is episode 56, and episode 56 is sponsored by the Chief Bat Company. Find them on Facebook at Chief Bat Company. They make customized baseball bats, and they are based out of Manchester, Iowa. I saw on their Facebook page they've made customized baseball bats for two of the local academies in Dubuque, Dusty Rogers Baseball Academy and Gold Standard Athletics by Eric Munson. I also saw on their page as well they made customized fungo baseball bats for coaches in the Dubuque area as well as all over the state of Iowa. I can't think of a better bat to use during my training in the offseason than a customized baseball bat from the Chief Bat Company. Reach out to Ben Ogden on their Facebook page, Chief Bat Company, and see what they have for you. Now, our next guest is the point guard for the University of Iowa basketball team and the outfielder for the University of Iowa baseball team. Now, I have been obsessed with Connor McCaffrey's story ever since he was a prep at Iowa City West. He responded to a Twitter request of mine that I honestly never thought he would respond to, but he was excited to come on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast to talk about his experiences playing in Dubuque and also share and talk about what it is like to be a dual sport college athlete, and he was excited to talk about baseball. Connor, during his time at Iowa City West, was almost like the man, the myth, and the legend of Dubuque County. I remember being in gyms at practices and the buzz around the gym, the buzz around the community when Connor and his Iowa City West teammates were coming up to Dubuque to play. And gyms were packed at all of the high schools, as well as during the baseball season. Baseball diamonds were packed as well. Connor will be the first to tell you that probably not everybody was there to see him and his teammates play. They were hoping to be able to strike up a basketball conversation with his dad, the coach, of the Iowa basketball team, Fran McCaffrey, and possibly even snap a pitcher with him as well. Connor will be the first to tell you that 
Not only was his dad a phenomenal athlete as well, but his love of baseball and his baseball ties come from his mom's side of the family, and she was quite the athlete in her own. My mom is the more of the baseball connection. She she was a big she was a big softball player, and then her dad, my papa, uh, is another baseball connection. My dad loves baseball. Um, my dad's brother, my uncle Jack, he's a He's a uh, Philadelphia sports writer, so he covers the Phillies. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of baseball ties in there for me. And same, and then obviously same with basketball. So every time my mom would try to make whatever she could, yeah. And I jumped ahead of myself there. If you're tuning in and you're wondering who it is, it is Connor McCaffrey, who is the point guard for the Iowa Hawkeye basketball team coming off an outstanding year last year. And then also an outfielder and a first baseman, which all left-handers are that play baseball for the Iowa Hawkeyes as well. Now, Connor, I do want to share my first memory and confession about you. I have never seen you play baseball. When I was the sophomore coach at Dubuque Hempstead, you were supposed to play my team as an eighth grader. And then you moved up to varsity in the later years. And I moved up to the varsity staff as well. And every time we were supposed to play you for Iowa City West, you always were doing AAU basketball. And it was a huge disappointment to me, but that's a pretty awesome agreement that the coaches at City West had and your family had. How, how did that work out when you were in high school to be able to follow both dreams? Yeah, so I know, so I think I played your, it just kind of always matched up that my my freshman year of high school, I missed the Hempstead games. And then my sophomore year, I believe I missed the Hempstead games as well. I remember playing my junior year varsity at Hempstead, senior year at home against Hempstead. But my eighth grade year was the one year we, um, yeah, my eighth grade year was the sophomore year we played. And I'll still, I'll never forget it. I swear to God, it's the longest inning of baseball I've ever played. (laughs) We were in the outfield, and we we were getting just smacked. Uh, they were in like I was in right, and Kevin Delaney was in center. And this Hempstead sophomore team just peppered the right right center wall and the left center wall with double after double for like an hour. We had like four <laughs> pitching changes. It was like ten runs. We got mercyed. I'm pretty sure the long to this day the longest half inning i've ever played a baseball i swear to god it's not close i'll never forget i finally and it, it's because i was the one in the outfield running after them all so like i'll never forget like i'm dead tired like you never in the outfield you're never really tired running after continuous doubles and we just were it was just terrible I'll never forget that. That that's a great story, and and I'll have to connect with some players and some former players to see if we can if we can put a year year to that. Now, Connor, don't get me wrong. When when you showed up to play us, or we showed up to play you, and you weren't in the lineup as a coach, I was happy that we did not have to face that <laughs> you in the left-handed batter's box right there. Now. Before we we get into um, your college career a little bit and what you're up to now, do you have any uh, good memories of playing in Dubuque, whether it would be playing senior Wallard or Hempstead in basketball or baseball? 
Yeah, for sure. I got I got a lot of memories, honestly, because we um I felt like there was always really good games. Uh with Hempstead, uh for some reason every time I played Hempstead I always hit a home run. So Thanks. my junior year my junior year I hit a home run. And like you always remember your home runs, right? So my junior year I hit a home run. My senior year we were at home, I hit another home run uh in the doubleheader series. So that that was you know, those are my baseball ones. For basketball, I believe I only remember playing at Hempstead one time. I'm pretty sure like like you know, in the valley, like you don't you only match up like home and away so much. And uh we played them home for some reason most of the most of the years. I don't know why. Senior, obviously there was always some battles in basketball. And also that was the worst senior in baseball was probably the worst doubleheader of my high school career. I went 0 for 9 with like 5Ks. They had like, I don't even remember. It was just, I will never forget because there was like a bunch of like Dubuque friends that I had that came out to those, that double header and I was just brutal. Um, and then the, the basketball games, um, you know, my freshman year, we went up to senior and we had the win streak uh, at West. We had won, I think it was like 56 in a row, something like that. They kicked the shit out of us. It was not fun. <laughs> really eye-opening for me as a little little freshman. I was, you know, a little tiny little kid. Uh, and we, it was, I mean, packed gym. You know, it was crazy. Um, and then Waller, again, same thing. You know, those always, those were crazy games too because, you know, they had Cordell, future teammate of mine, Riley Till. And we always, they, their gym, every, I felt like every time I went to Dubuque, the field and the gym whatever sport was always just packed. Like there were so many people that would go to these games. It was always, it was always fun. It was always really fun. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, you, for sure. You had the Eagles nest at Wallert, which their fans are crazy. You have the nasty nation at senior when they're winning, they're crazy. And you mentioned, um, Cordell and Riley. And then at senior, I think you had Noah Carter and then another uh, teammate of yours on the baseball side of things, Sam Link. So we had yeah. a lot of great, uh, basketball teams come through here. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We uh, we definitely had some good some good battles for sure. My um, I want to say we we all, playing at senior. I feel like that was the one place that they always like sold out like a hundred percent. It was always packed. Um, in my senior year, that was probably one of the best games of my, my of my high school career. I played I played pretty well. And we beat them because they, they were like number two or three or something, and we were number one. So obviously, you know, us going up there was a big deal. And then Hempstead, my my senior year as well, they came down. We I, I never lost a game at home in high school. Um, and they came down, and they were up like some like six or eight with like two minutes to go, and we were kind of all thinking like, uh oh, you know, that kind of thing. And we, I think. Like I hit with like we were down like eight or something like that, and like Devonte Lane, my teammate of four years of basketball, hit a three, and then I hit two threes, and then we took the lead, and like from there on we were good. But no, for some reason, it was like I said earlier, it was always like the rivalries with all Dubuque teams. It was never, it was never easy. You know, they were always they were always really good games, regardless if they were supposed to be bad or good. It didn't really matter. I feel like they just always got up for us. It's it's great listening to you talk because I can tell that you are a true student of the game because you can remember what you did against certain teams when you were a freshman, when you played at senior and, and playing against these guys. Now, Connor, 
The interesting thing about this podcast and with you is whenever I book a guest, I always announce who the guest is going to be, and then I always put it up for uh, audience questions. And I'd like to thank Corey Tischer, the head baseball coach from Wallert Catholic High School. He pretty much wrote this interview for me. He wanted to uh, <laughs> he wanted to ask you anything and everything. So thank you, Coach yeah. Tischer. But the one thing that surprised me about you is I didn't really get a lot of questions, but I got a lot of um, DMs and PMs and text messages, and people wanted to thank you for the awareness that you bring to social and racial injustice. And they said that you are a guy who the state of Iowa uh, should be proud of because you're using your platform to talk about those injustices. And actually, I uh, was looking at what you just retweeted from Jimmy Kimmel about the stupidest people in the world, the, the Utah mass rally that was going on. Yeah, and, and that's what actually led me to your profile is I saw a whole bunch of my friends on Twitter liking and retweeting something that you had done about um, racial injustice. So a lot of people really wanted me to tell you that it's not going unnoticed, and they thank you for that, and they said that you're a great person to do it because you're a very well-spoken young man. So I, I really appreciate you know every, everyone who reached out and said you know nice things because like for me, I'm someone who I'm definitely okay with being vocal and I feel like I've taken that kind of you know as a something something for myself you know I want to be somebody who speaks out for the people who maybe might feel this way but either either don't have the platform or are maybe more reserved so I feel like I I'm trying to make up for make up for that in some way um and also you know for me I'm someone who I I grew up and you know obviously I'm way and I grew up privileged um you know great family i was in a great situation and for me growing up i never really i always looked at people based on how they treated me so you know i had my dad's players my dad's assistant coaches you know family to me pretty much you know i have family who i you know people who i consider you know uncles cousins whatever people I've looked up to my whole life, my favorite player and my favorite role models, a lot of them are black. And, you know, so for like me, I've taken it on myself to really speak out and try to be somebody who is a voice, you know, because of the platform that I do have. Um, I don't, I, I think, I, I don't know how many followers I have, but I know it's enough to try to, to try to spread, you know, every bit of awareness that I can. And so that's just been, that's been the main goal for me, for sure. And I, you know, I really, I really, you know, just want to thank everyone who reached out and said, said those kind of things. Yeah, it was an overwhelming response that I got. And I just recently saw on Instagram, you got a tattoo, a quote from the great Martin Luther King Jr. So what quote of Dr. King's did you get tattooed on you? Yeah, so the quote is right here on my thighs. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in times of comfort. Uh, comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. And so basically for me, that, that meant a lot because we, I remember we had a team meeting and um, we, we were just, it was a social injustice meeting, you know, it was something we had to get together and we really wanted to, you know, just show love for everyone on the team and make sure, you know, everybody, everybody was heard. We kind of, you know, we had a lot of guys speak up, a lot of guys, you know, say things that really, 
really were affected was right after the was right after the George Floyd murder. Um, and the I don't know if I don't know if you personally saw this, but around that time in Central Park in New York, there was a lady at a dog park who called the police on a man who was black and just there. And she was saying, you're harassing me, you're harassing me, you're bothering me, that kind of thing. And one of our, one of our assistant coaches spoke up and he said, do do you guys realize how offensive that is? He's not doing anything. He's minding his business. Why should he be, why should he be targeted like this? There's no reason. And then he brought up another situation that's obviously more famous, Emmett Till. And just said, people just minding their own business, having the police called on them in a situation like this in Central Park, that's not okay. And so one thing I spoke up and said is, it needs to be to a point, we need to be at a point where if you see something like that happening, it's not, oh, well, I would never act like that. You know, that's that's racist. No, it needs to be, say something, speak up, do something about it. Absolutely not. That's not okay. That kind of thing. And so for me, that's why I've kind of been somebody who's been more vocal in all situations is because I'm one who's thinking, no, let's have some type of tangible action. Someone speak up and do something and say something versus because at at this point, there are a lot of people who are changed and are, there are a lot of great people who aren't racist, who don't have racial ideas, but there are some people who don't, but then also like would feel uncomfortable in certain situations and, and that's okay because it's different, but that's, I think that's what needs to change is people need to become more vocal and start actually trying to do things about it. The reason I got the tattoo was just because I want to be someone who's vocal and someone who does speak up, um, you know, in times of challenge and controversy, as the, as the quote says. And, you know, I, I, I do remember that from Central Park. I believe the guy was there just bird watching. Yeah, and, yeah, he was and watching. He got he got the uh, the police called on him because he was there he was there watching watching birds. But we know what the underlining issue was there. And, and I know I for twelve years worked at two schools that were considered high risk that had fifty percent of the population was white and fifty percent of the population was non white. And a lot of times I would tell people where I teach at, and they would say, "You work at that school." Why do yeah. you work at that school? And it's want to make yeah. a difference. There's there's great kids everywhere. It doesn't matter what what exactly. color they are, what religion they have, where they come from. There's there's great kids, and I can't think of a better way to help uh, shape and change the world than than working in some of those difficult situations. Is there anything that? you want to bring light to that you're kind of leading the charge on in social or racial injustice before um, we get to the baseball and the basketball end, uh, end of things? Uh, yeah, well, I guess I'll just say um, I'm on the, I'm on the big 10 anti-hate anti-racism coalition. And that's been, that's been really, really awesome for me. And just one of our biggest things is that what we've been working on so far is obviously fighting any kind of social and racial injustice, but also we, the big 10 started a voter initiative. So it's completely, you know, it's just something that everybody needs to be knowledgeable about 
every candidate and we want everyone to vote. So that's, that's, you know, complete nonpartisan in the league, every single student athlete, we want them all to vote and we want every person to vote, you know, use that right. Regardless of, regardless of your political ideas, whatever you believe in, just be somebody who speaks, who goes out and uses that right and votes. And that's been something that we've been working on. And that's something that I've just been trying to pass along, you know, in all, in all aspects of, in all aspects of my social media and whatever else. I I love the fact that you're doing that. And I love the fact that you said, I don't, we don't care who you're voting for. We don't care if you're voting Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, whatever other parties I'm missing here. We just want you to want you to get out and vote, which, which makes that awesome. Now, Connor, a lot of us get to play for our dads in little league, sometimes even in high school. What's it like playing for your dad at one of the highest levels of sports at the college basketball level? Yeah, no. So it, it, it's, it's awesome. It is because I guess the one thing would be, you know, just being able to go and see, see family, see your dad every day, see my brother now that he's on the team. Um, you know, that's, that's special in itself, but I do think that it's extra. It, it really has been, you know, kind of extra special because we each kind of go off like I think a lot of the same things as he does. And he, and he kind of thinks a lot of the same things I do because my mind on basketball is pretty much completely shamed by the shape by the teams that he's coached. So when I'm on the floor, I think he trusts me because I've seen so much of, you know, the way that he's handled his teams and in terms of whether it's communication for plays, defensive strategies, offensive strategies, fast break, whatever the case may be. I just feel like we have that special kind of bond because, you know, we're, we are so connected in our, in our basketball ideals. Your dad is my second favorite coach in the Big Ten. Um, <laughs> I, I would be a sellout if I did not tell people that I am a Michigan State Spartan fan. So Tom Izzo is my favorite coach in the Big Ten. But I watch every Michigan State game. I watch every Iowa game just because I love watching Fran coach. I think he does a great job. I love watching his reactions when something goes well or he doesn't get a call. And um, it's also great seeing the area and the Iowa talent come together at the national level. Now, how do Coach McCaffrey and Coach Heller, how are they the same and, and how are they the different? Because I had you on here. I asked you to come on here because a lot of times in college, you see multi-sport athletes where it's they have their main sport and then their secondary sport is tracked to help them improve. But you do baseball and and basketball, which is a rarity. So how do they compare, Coach Heller and Coach McCaffrey? Um, you know, I would say that they're – their coaching styles are definitely they're definitely different. Um, coach Heller, I would say, is def- a very uh, professional coaching style. Like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna come in, you're gonna get your work in. You know, I would like he, he's like he's like a lot of baseball coaches. You know, you, you just got to do your work. You know, that that's the kind of thing you you got to come in. You need your ground balls. You need your swings. The way you're gonna get good as baseball is by practicing and do, putting in putting in a lot of the work. And that's kind of like the the way that I feel like Iowa baseball is shaped, you know, right now is just all com- completely built on, you know, hard work. And that's kind of the culture that we've built, you know, tough practices, tough weight sessions. And then, you know, that mentality, you know, late game, you know, never giving up. And that's kind of, 
that's kind of like the way that coach Heller is, is like, you know, we're constantly, we're constantly trying to add whether we're up 15 runs or down 15 runs, it's going to be the same, the same mindset. And that's kind of just the way we play. And then, you know, in basketball, I would say it's definitely, definitely similar in terms of like the way we handle stuff, but there might be like a little bit more um, camaraderie between every player and coach because it, I mean, but it's also because in baseball you have 40, 45 guys versus in basketball you have 15. So it's, 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 it can be harder. Um, so in basketball, there's maybe a little bit more give and take in in practices and in game situations, but things are also moving faster and, you know, you have timeouts and times, you know, areas to really talk and in baseball, that stuff might happen, but the way a baseball game moves is kind of, you know, in between innings, like you're in and out, but at the same time, if you're up to bat, we'll go up and say, Hey, pitcher might be tipping, you know, he, he might've, might've tipped, you know, this pitch here. He, he was really attacking me on the outside corner, that kind of thing. So I feel like there's give and take with each of them. And the way that they've worked together has been really, really good because I've, they've never really put me in an awkward spot. The only pretty much ultimatum I've faced is Coach Heller. And it, but it, it was a good one is Coach Heller saying, I think in order for this to work, you have to be with us in the fall. And I've, I've held true to that. I've, pract- I've been completely with baseball and all the fall season because that's the best way for me to be able to get ready for the spring because I'm coming in missing 15 games, basically. Yeah, I, I do want to piggyback on that, but I do have a, a hilarious story about the time that I met your dad. And I wanted to get your reaction uh, off on camera because I almost told it to you off camera. But um, I was at the Final Four in Minnesota 2019, yeah. and I was at FanFest. And I spent the most amount of money I've ever spent on tickets before. Had great seats for the Final Four game, for the Michigan State game. First time I ever left an arena in tears. When Texas Tech beat them, I was cry- I expected them to win the national championship. The yeah. day before, I was at FanFest. And I was in line ready to meet Christian Leitner. And you and your dad, I'm pretty sure your whole family was there, but your dad walked in. He was a guest the day before, and I and I was working, so I couldn't get up there. So your dad came in with his family to check out FanFest, and I said, oh, my gosh, that's Fran McCaffrey, and I've never met him before, and I always wanted to get a picture with him. So I left my line to go meet your dad and leave the Christian Leitner line. And your dad was so kind. He was so sweet. I said, can I get a picture with you? I'm from Iowa. I used to coach at Dubuque Hempstead, you know, shared the story about, about coaching against you. And I had just gotten the new iPhone. So I hold my phone up to take a selfie and I shut the damn thing off. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> so he's there and he's, and he's kind of under the radar and, and, and not, not many people know. And I said, oh, do you mind? So then it, it loads up and I said, do you mind if I get it? And then finally, like after like two or three yeah. minutes of waiting there, he t- I, I could tell he was so annoyed with me, especially because I'm like 38 years old and I was geeking out to get a picture with him but he could the thing not. is he's way worse with technology than you probably are so he should, anyone out of anyone should understand because 
he's brutal when it comes to phones. And you know, the thing is, I had just gotten the new iPhone and I'm not bad with technology. I would consider myself a knowledgeable, technical person, but yeah. Connor will tell you that we have had internet issues and Zoom issues this whole interview. <laughs> and just like his dad was last year, he's about ready to strangle me through this Zoom <laughs> session. <laughs> nah, he, I'm sure he was fine. He, he gets asked in worse situations. There, there'll be people, you know, like say like, oh, you know, can I get a picture? But like, you know, go Cyclones. And it's like, what? Like, no, yeah. no, can't get a picture of that. Yeah. You know, those kind of things happen. You'd be amazed <laughs> at some of the stuff that happens when people ask him for pictures. And and I was wearing Michigan State stuff, but I did make sure that I led with them from Iowa and, and the, the connection that, you know, you and I had. Uh, on the, the Final Four. Four. It makes sense you wear Michigan State yeah, stuff. Yeah, they're playing. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Now, before we get into the baseball aspect of it, Connor, um, what are what what are the road experiences like? What do you, what games do you get up for the most basketball and baseball in the Big Ten when you're traveling to play a certain school do you look forward to the most yeah so I mean to be honest most road games are pretty crazy um in the Big Ten in basketball it's definitely easier to get up for games uh just because of the ridiculous environments you're going to I think anybody could understand that you know you're going into arenas that are packed with 17,000 people screaming as loud as they can. Um, my personal favorite arenas are Assembly Hall, Indiana. That's probably number one just because of the history. Um, I just think it's a really cool, it's really, it's ridiculously loud. Like it is so loud. Indiana basketball is different. Um, the Breslin Center was really loud. Really, really loud and fun. I mean, it was a, we played a good game up there last year, so that was a that was good. I thought we I thought we had them. Um, and then, so I had only played here one, the Maryland game this year. That arena is really cool. I thought that was that was fun. Um, and you know, all of these games are really they're really Minnesota. I should I gotta say Minnesota too because the barn. I don't yeah. know if you ever been to the barn. I have been but to the barn. The, uh, yeah, no, that's a. I, I just love the setup, and I have a lot of family from Minnesota too. So playing there this past year, we beat them up there, and that was, that was awesome. But getting up for games on the road in the Big Ten is really, really fun. Um, this past year, I had a ton of great experiences. We got to play at the Palestra. That's not normal, but playing at the Palestra against Penn State that was amazing. Uh, and then in baseball, you know there are. There are obviously teams that, you know, are more fun than others. I miss out on a lot of the baseball stuff early on, which sucks. I I know that Nebraska would be the answer for most baseball guys, and that was personally my favorite series as well from this past season. But I, the only road games I went on were, I think, like Purdue and Maryland – I want to say are the only two in baseball. So it's it's just different in, in terms of that. Yeah, baseball is is a lot different because the crowds are different. But I didn't know if in the Big Ten, you think of some of those college videos you see where, you know, the school walks somebody on four straight balls and then they start chanting, ball five, ball five, and then yeah. they stop. So I didn't know if there was any of that going on. I've, in heard, I've heard Nebraska's fans get kind of get rowdy and i i've heard that they get like 
six or 7,000 fans to like night games on the weekends. Um, I will say it definitely was not that in the road series that I, that I played in um, at Maryland and Purdue there, there were, I mean, it was a good crowd, but it was, you know, a normal, not, not killing anybody. Like it wasn't crazy um, in either of those experiences, but I've heard that Nebraska gets a ton of fans uh, Indiana, I think, has a really good following. They're a really good baseball school. Um, and then we we get a lot of fans, to be honest. When we have weekend games against good teams, like when we played Nebraska at home, when we played Michigan at home two years ago, when we played Michigan State at home, if it's a nice if it's a nice weekend, we'll get a lot of fans. We'll have to bring in extra bleachers, and the Iowa fans really show out. So, yeah, yeah. And, and Nick Ungs and uh, Sam Link have uh, asked me to come down and invited me down to check out the facilities and check out some games. So I'll have to connect with you and say hi if if this yeah. pandemic ever lifts and, and I can go to a yeah, baseball game. Right, exactly. Now, Connor, I do want to ask – oh, and by the way, you played very well against Michigan State the past couple of years. They, they, they weren't guarding you, and you kept on hitting three after three, and I started yelling at my team, are we going to guard this guy anytime soon? I mean – uh, they, they chose they chose Luca. They chose to guard Luca. They would double up me to get – hey, it makes sense. You know, guard the national player of the year. But, uh, yeah, I hit, I, hit, I hit some shots. I thought we had them. It was, really, it was a really good game. Um, you know, Cassius – just cash is just one of those feelings in that game where it's like, you know, basically senior night, he's just going to like, he had zero points in the first half and you're just thinking like, Oh shit. Like we got a yeah. bottle. This <laughs> and he came out and just hit like five threes in a row. And like, I mean, just ridiculous threes to step back off a screen, like shit like that. And it, some of those things that it, it almost felt staged, but we still, I mean, we were still right there. I mean, we had shots to shots to win shots to tie. Um, we just didn't didn't bounce our way that game. Yeah, my my phone was going crazy at halftime. Hawkeye fans already claiming victories, and and I and I try to get to all the Michigan State Iowa basketball games at Carver Hawkeye Arena, and, and you guys have had top five Michigan State teams on the ropes uh, many times when I've been there. A lot of great games. I wasn't expecting to see some great games, but. Uh, to piggyback on something we talked about earlier, it's it's very rare to see somebody do two major big-time sports, and that is no slap in the face to track at all. A lot of times you'll see football players do track because it, it helps them with their football game, but you do baseball and basketball. How in the world does that work? How do you do that? How do the programs allow that and make that happen? That's what a lot of people are wondering. Yeah, so um, so as I said earlier, a lot of it is to do with the fall. Uh, I I really really need to be involved in the fall because that's when I see my pitches. That's when I'm you know getting game at bats, going through full going through full practices. So that's been really important. And then once the spring hits, you know we're, I'm I'm basically you know end of a basketball season. Of, a big run for us is, you know, obviously March Madness. I miss a lot of games in baseball, which really sucks. Um, I miss, I think I missed like 21 games my the year that I played. So I'm pretty much joining in. I'm not having seen like a lot of live pitching. Uh, I kind of just have to run with it. And that, you know, that's just something that you got to live with. And that's something that I feel like I've gotten better at, you know, as, as we've gone on. Um, and, you know, it, 
got to give a lot of props to both coaches. You know, Coach Heller and my dad have both worked together, and they've both kind of stuck with me um, in these in this transition periods between each sport because you know it's definitely not always going to be as smooth, you know, as as it should be. You know, I've like the year that I played baseball, I had a I had a really good fall, and then you know I jumped in. 21 games in and I wasn't I'm not gonna say I wasn't ready I had a I had a decent year like for myself you know I wasn't I wasn't happy with it but you know I had I had some good games I would say had some good weekends but I just wish that I was more prepared and I wish I knew more of what was coming and so that's kind of like what I want to be more ready for this this time around. Yeah, and a lot of the baseball coaches that saw that I had you as a guest all said to me that, you know, I wonder how long Connor will stick with basketball because I think he's a baseball prospect and the possibility that he could even get drafted and go on to play professional baseball. So what does baseball look like November through February for you? Yeah, so November through February basically for me – we have kind of like once the fall ends in baseball and I start with basketball, we still have individuals for baseball. So I'll still be able to hit up until, you know, there's a, there's a cutoff date. I don't know what it is where they shut us off, you know, before we go home for break. But I'll hit baseball up until then. Then I'll usually take a break, you know, kind of around when other people do. And then I'll pretty much just try to get in the cages when I can. Uh, I've literally had roommates, you know, feeding machines for me. Um, and then once once the team comes back and practices, I'll throw and I'll try to get in like on off days and stuff like that. And like I'll step in when we have some live at bats, you know, I'll do stuff like that. And I pretty much just try to do as much as I can to stay in shape because, you know, obviously, you know, kind of picking up, you know, midseason form in baseball is – that's that's the thing when everyone comes to me is like oh like how do you do that like you know 20 games in that's the thing that everybody goes at and that's definitely the hardest part but that's also the thing that the entire november through february like you said that entire period that's what i'm gearing up for now same question but we'll flip-flop months and we'll flip-flop sports how much basketball do you get during march through may just besides shooting in the gym so the basketball honestly isn't as much of an issue because from the season, from the time that basketball ends, I the, the sec the second the season ends in basketball, the next day I go to baseball practice. Right? Basketball has a break then after this. Once the season's over, they let us chill. So I really don't miss out on a lot of basketball. They do start individuals back up before school ends. So I probably miss maybe a month or two of like, you know, individual team, individual workouts where it's just like, you know, guys getting in the gym, getting shots up. But we're done with the season from that regard. The hardest thing when it comes to getting ready for the basketball season is actually the transition from fall baseball to basketball season, which is around, I believe the date last year was like October 15th in that range because I'm going completely all in with baseball in the fall and then as soon as basketball hits we have our first game last year like november 3rd or november 2nd or something like that and i'm my first practice is october 15th so that gives me pretty much 
15 days to get in serious, you know, Big Ten playing shape. And that is definitely the hardest part. You must have a pretty awesome girlfriend that allows you to never be around and do all of this stuff all the time, huh? Yeah, yeah, you you could say that for sure. You could say that. I definitely, you'd be surprised. I, I actually, like a lot of people are like, oh, like when you never have time for anything, you know, and I'm like, I feel like, you know, my nights are pretty good. You know, and I got I got home from practice around five thirty today, and I'm, I'm gonna I, had, I did a little homework earlier, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna get some food and watch the NBA playoffs. So you know, it's kind of it's really not not that crazy, you know, in terms of like you know the time that I do have. Um, the one thing that sucks would be like for me, I'm pretty much going from you know practice date number one in the fall, which is was September. It's going to be September. I'm going from September, I'm playing a full fall season. The next day I go to basketball season, I play the full basketball season. That ends, let's say, March 15, whatever. March 16, I go to baseball season. Say that ends June 15. Then I go to summer ball June 17. I played summer baseball last year, and I sucked because I was so done. I hate, like, I'm like, yo, like, this is fun, but, like, I just want to go home. I have been going for 10 months I'm like, this is brutal. I ended up, I, I was supposed to leave in like two weeks. I took a 84 mile an hour fastball off the wrist that kept me out for like a month and a half. And so I just, I ended up leaving and going home. Uh, but I just, you know, that's something that like for me, that's the one part that did suck. I will say that there's no sugarcoating it. It was not fun. It was like 11 months I was just going straight and it wasn't fun and I got to prepare for that better. And when we were arranging dates and times for Connor, Connor, we only have a couple questions left. He said, let's try to do it between the NBA playoff games. So I, I can keep you during the playoffs because for the first time in 20 some years, the San Antonio Spurs didn't make it. So I've been sitting out the NBA playoffs this year. But yeah. summer baseball, you know, obviously – you said you played, but is that something that you'd consider doing? Because you think, you know, you are a, are a baseball prospect, a possible draft pick. Would you play in the Cape Cod League or the North Woods League or the Prospect League or something like that? What league did you play in this past summer? So the thing that's hard for me when it comes to summer ball leagues is we have workouts in the summer for basketball. And that's so summer basketball workouts are pretty big in terms of getting in shape will eventually put stuff in. Obviously this year's been completely different, but let's take a normal year, for example. Sure. We'll we'll have we'll have team practices and that's when that's when teams will start putting plays in, getting the freshmen up to speed. So it's a really important time for basketball. It's kinda like the fall for baseball in a way. It's just a really it's a time when like teams really will grind. And so that keeps me here pretty much. Um so like this past year I was here and I just played like in the Iowa Valley League pretty much. And that was that was just what I did. But when I did play summer ball, Coach Heller pretty much said, you need to go play summer ball to see what it's like, see how you handle it, see if you like it. So I ended up playing. It was it was the, the perfect game collegiate league out in New York. It was a really good league. Um, a, lot of, a lot of really good players. But like I said earlier, I wasn't prepared for it. Men like mentally, I was just so cashed out that I just was literally horrible. Um, and that's 
And, you know, that that's tough. The thing that's hard in terms of those other leagues is, like, the Cape Cod League. We've had guys play in that. They usually base it off, like, your season, how you played previously in the year because they have, like, those rosters and stuff booked up. And, like, if I was to get an opportunity to play in Cape Cod League, obviously I would, but I haven't played well enough in college yet, and I haven't played enough in college yet to even get an invite. So it's not like I would ever be invited to go play in that up to this point. Northwoods League, uh, similar in terms of how many, like you, it's, it's a prestigious league, you know, guys playing that really, really good players. But that's another thing where it's like you play like 80 games in like two months. It's like kind of crazy. And there's just not a lot of time for basketball in that. So that's, that was kind of the reason I opt out of that one as well. So, yeah. Now, if you ever want to play any semi-pro in the Dubuque area, reach out to me. I'll put you on a team. I'm sure you'll probably attract sold-out crowds. Dubuque travels well to see you play. I, I guess. No, I, I had some teammates play in the Dubuque League, and I always, like, I I think it's like, what do you play, like Thursday nights or Friday nights? Like yeah, on the, there's on the tournaments football. on the weekends, and yeah, yeah usually Sundays they play. Do you play? play? Uh, no, I am. I, I coached. I'm washed up. That's why I went into the coaching ranks. At, at, as soon as I was finished my senior year, I went into coaching because I wasn't any good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had uh, I've had some friends play up in that league too, and they say, you know, I'm I'm all for like you know a good uh, a good semi pro. Nobody like really killing themselves kind of game, you know, just just out there, you know, just because they love to play, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it was the Worthington team that a lot of the Iowa guys coach for. So, Connor, two questions here before we we hit out of our uh, podcast ending double play here. Any advice for high school players who may have people trying to convince them to give up playing multiple sports? I- I'm just saying what I've heard. I have no idea if this is true, but I hear um, AAU basketball coaches can be pretty um, convincing about trying to get kids to give up football, baseball, other sports to focus year-round on basketball. Again, just what I've heard. I- I'm not sure if that's that's true, but what, what advice would you have for the high school kids that are listening? Yeah, so I would say I'm going to go from the baseball side and the basketball side. From the baseball side of things, that's one of the most attractive things that, you know, coaches and scouts have told me is they love that I play basketball because it is a whole nother dimension of, you know, athletic ability, you're in shape, you kind of, I, I do have a different body type. That's always been something I've struggled with. You know, if I only played baseball, would I, would I get to 235 and just try to hit bombs? Like who, who really knows? You know, I can't do that and play basketball, but that's kind of like, you know, that athletic aspect of baseball side of things is something that's been attractive for, for certain people. So I don't think like, I think if you're going to, if you really love playing both, there is no negative on the baseball side. If you, if you play basketball as well, you're really not going to miss out on a lot. The basketball side is where it sucks more because of AAU. I will say that's hard because the way that you're going to get recruited and seen is by playing AAU 100%, no argument. Coaches don't recruit as much high school anymore as they used to. But with that being said, my coaches in high school worked together greatly. They did. My AAU coaches were always extremely understanding. And I would say 
if you don't have an understanding AAU coach, switch AAU teams because no coach, no AAU coach should tell you what sport you should or shouldn't play. That's not up to them. It's just not. And if they're saying, oh, you have to be here 100% of the time, then okay, then play me 40 minutes a game and never take me out and give me to all the best tournaments. Like there's just the opportunity. It's not like any AAU opportunity is going to be worth quitting baseball. There is no perfect situation. So if you're going to work the Barnstormers, for example, that was my AAU team. They worked great with me. They were completely understanding. They always supported both, both my baseball and my basketball. So if you're looking for a team and I'm not saying other teams in Iowa don't, you know, work with kids. But if you're looking for a team that's going to the Barnstormers, Coach Jamie Pettigrew was my coach my 17U season, and I missed a lot of the summertime because I was playing baseball. And the worst it would do for me was he would bench me. You know, he wouldn't start me in a game, and and that's totally fine. Like I get it. You play the people that are there, but there's benefits to playing both. If you love playing both, continue playing both. There's no reason to stop. There's no downside of it. Um, as long as you, as long as you're really putting in the work on both sides, if you ever start making excuses up for yourself and, Oh, like, you know, I was in basketball, so I, you know, I'm sore. I don't really want to do baseball. That's at what point it's going to stop. It's going to stop working for you. And I would say, you know, at that point, maybe make a decision. But like for me, I've always loved playing both. It's always been something I've loved to do. So continue doing that as long as you can. And, and I hear the Barnstormers have this stud player coming up. Maybe you've heard of him, a guy by the name of Jack McCaffrey. Have you heard of that guy? The kid, the kid is getting some, uh, getting some interest on social media, I'll say. He's, <laughs> he, a lot of people, like, people don't realize how big he is. He's like, I mean, he's taller than me. Like, I'm, when I was a freshman, I was like 6'4", like 190 pounds. Like, I was, I was a pretty, like, that's big for a freshman. That's why I was able to play varsity. Jack is like, six seven almost and like 195 pounds like he's huge he's growing like crazy and he's an eighth grader yeah he just started eighth grade wow. like a week ago is so, he a baseball player will we see him coming through Hempstead senior and waller this summer or not so he if any i think he's a pitcher i think he's a pitcher he um he was doing a lot of pitching stuff and then he hurt his he hurt his ucl and they pretty much said it was because like, dude, you're growing so fast. So, like you're more, you're more susceptible to injury, like muscular, muscle, muscle injury like that because, you know, you're stretched out everywhere. Like you have, you know, your growth plates are so wide open, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I did a similar thing when I was younger. So he, he stopped throwing for like a year. He didn't play baseball this past year, but I think, I think coach Stump's going to get him back up on the, on the bump. So we'll see. <laughs> Debut coaches start getting your scouting reports right now. Jack McCaffrey, <laughs> six, we'll seven, we'll eighth see. grader. Now, Connor, <laughs> let's, let's have a little Dr. Phil moment here. Cause people are just so interested in you and and your career and and the path that you've taken and again I can I'm still on cloud nine that um, you had checked your request and got back to me right away and and we were able to do this and I sincerely apologize for keeping you longer than what we had agreed upon and I'm sorry for my internet issues but thank you again for doing this um so many people. Um, since I announced that I was having you, I, I kid you not, I've gotten over 85 
messages, whether it be emails, text, um, people just really excited to hear what you have to say. So again, thank you for doing this and thank you for what you're doing uh, with your platform for social and, and racial injustice. We, we appreciate the work you're doing, but what's up life after Iowa? Basketball? Baseball? What 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 are you studying? Are we going to see you in the booth with a communications degree? What's what's up for life after Iowa? That's uh that's that's a million dollar question. Um, you know, I, I I'm honestly not sure. I'm a I'm a finance political science double major, so that's the that's the route I've been going. I've been I've been a business student up to this point. I've been pretty much all finance, and then I'm going to be here for another year. Like I have two more years of eligibility. So I picked up political science this past year and I'm really interested in that as well. So I, I feel like, you know, maybe, you know, by the time I'm done, not going to want to hang it up, uh, you know, either pursue baseball, uh, hopefully get a shot there or maybe, you know, playing overseas could be, could be really fun, you know, travel, uh, play, you know, somewhere cool over in Europe. I've thought about, you know, business life uh whatever the case may be maybe maybe running for office who knows we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we when we get there i guess i don't know i i could see a mccaffrey kittle ticket right now <laughs> <laughs> i i saw he was he he was making political shirts i think it was garoppolo and and kittle uh 2020 whatever year they're thinking about running yeah. but connor again thank you so much for coming on i, I know that I, I've learned a lot from the hour that, that I've sat down with you, and, and I know this is going to reach reach a lot of people, and I know that your message will continue far beyond your years at Iowa and far beyond um, your years um, in the spotlight. So best of luck with everything. Anything you would like to plug or anything you'd like to share before we uh, get you off to the NBA playoffs? No, th- this has been great. Thank you, uh, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Always good to talk a little, uh, little high school, high school sports. You know, high school baseball, high school basketball action. It was always fun, and then, you know, I, I had a blast. It was fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on six four three. We're out of here. Post game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.